Welcome to the Box I Live In podcast, episode one with Ben Reeve and Blake Howard. Hello, mate. How are you, Blake? I'm good. Well, this is a first. You and I have been talking about doing this for... Maybe years. <laughs> it feels like Maybe years. years. We were talking in a very concentrated dose in the last few months, but uh, ever since like a very recent encounter and I'd already started potting, I was like, you need one of these. Why aren't you on a so, microphone? So you and a lot of other participants in the last few years, it's a generational thing, see? I'm used to training old people and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm the old man and now I'm training young people. <laughs> And so in yes. the training room, they're all like, do you do a podcast? I'm like, no. And they're like, you need to. And then I, I had enough people said it to me. And obviously we launched the Box I Live In website. And that's when you and I hooked up. And it was like, okay, let's do this. So <laughs> the reason I'm here today is because you said I needed to do it. And loads of other people <laughs> said to do it. And I've built this website. And that's about as much as I've got. So I hope I'm in capable hands with you. I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah, you are. You are. This is one thing that I'm actually good at. So, so give me, give the viewers your background, because I know it's going to be all about me, this whole one, right? But let's, this is the why, because there's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It says, you know, stand on the shoulder of giants, find the people that are good at this stuff. Yes. So you're sort of not self-proclaimed. Others have recommended you as well. So what makes you the podcast expert? Uh, well, I never thought of myself as one, but I did, uh, when I was starting out, I, I was doing two things. I was working in the corporate landscape and I was doing vocation. I was working in radio and podcast when I first started out. I was working for 2UE with a great film critic by the name of Dale Sindon because my other great love in life is movies. And he sort of coached me on radio and podcasts. And for years I dabbled. And then I started a really ludicrous project called One Heat Minute, which broke down Michael Mann's 1995 crime masterpiece, Heat, a minute at a time in chronological order. <laughs> And you're asking yourself and probably listeners are going, why the hell would someone do that? And I said, well, it was only for self-satisfaction. And what happened was I, I thought it would just be for me. It was my favorite film. It was always a art has a regenerative quality. And I think great art, you can revisit and take so much more from it at every viewing. And I thought I would test that in this minute podcast format, which did exist before, but I gave it a little a crack. And uh, people started listening in droves. And it began with you know, very short 15-minute episodes turned into hour, sometimes hour-and-a-half-long episodes, and it culminated with the filmmaker himself, the man who wrote it, Michael Mann, being on my last episode. Uh, and since then, I've spoken to people like Academy Award-winning Guillermo del Toro and a whole bunch of the cast of the film and the stars and started doing that and, and at the time uh, was named one of the top 100 podcasts in the whole world by Vulture magazine in New in York. the whole world? Yeah, it was... Uh, I said I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. So now I'm feeling a bit intimidated. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, all right. So, so, so I'm w I am with the professional then in this field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, so basically, I'm in your capable hands. No, I'm in your <laughs> capable hands on this one. This is, this is what's really fun for me because I, if, if the way to get you doing this is to have me sitting across from you, then I'm so excited. Because well, this is the thing we should probably say, right? You and I met because you did a program of mine. So my, my background and the business is um, basically I'm a consultant and a trainer. And so you sat in through one of my leadership programs, which would have been how many years ago was that? Maybe a decade. Decade ago, yeah. yeah. So, so it's been a while, right? Been and we've stayed in touch because you were a bit different from the normal corporate people I speak to, <laughs> as you've just explained. You just make me laugh because you've got this sort of this, this other life. And then in the corporate space, half the people never knew what you were doing. But I, I've met a lot of people in my career and it's, it's the ones that are slightly different that have been interesting for me. So I think, you know, when, we, when I put the project together around the box I live in, you know, it's, it's always in the back of my head. And I think you know, and I had always discussed doing some work together. Yes. And there's a nice synergy now of saying, okay, well, all right, I've got this. I built this product 
and I've got to sell it. Yeah. And you've obviously, as you said, you've got this expertise in the pod. So uh, between us, this is the challenge, right? I think the box and I think your approach is ripe for this kind of dialogue because it's just, I feel like sometimes even conversations that you've given me over the phone that I could have had them recorded and have that playback. And there is just something about that, that relationship that you can have in a podcast that I'm like, it fits so well with what you do and some of the people that we're looking forward to chatting to on this show. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. And I've got to confess, right? I think I said to you, I've listened to, I've actually now listened to two podcasts. <laughs> so there's the rugby one I told you about, which I listened to when I'm riding on my bike. And then I watched another one, listened to another one from some New York journalist recently all about future proofing. Mm. And, and what I realized, and I think my idea of podcasting was like, oh gosh, what is it? It's like radio. I mean, yes. it's basically like listening to a play or listening to two people having an interview. So that was quite useful for me. But like I said, I, I don't listen to podcasts just because it's not really something I've ever got into. Um, equally, I don't do many online programs, but I built one. So for <laughs> me, this is part of this exploration and journey. I mean, you talk about future proofing your career. This is basically me because this is all brand new. You know, I'm used to being in a room talking to people, having that instantaneous feedback, working with them one-on-one, -on -one, as you know, yes. and having those conversations. And what I've discovered is, though, that those conversations and the limited field I can have, you know, just through selling my time and, and trying to reach this broader audience. So I'm, I'm really intrigued as to how this is going to go as well because, like I said, I've got a whole lot of people that we can have a chat to. I guess the challenge is what do we talk to them about, what makes it relevant, and why, why would anybody listen, right? Yes. But if you're the, you're the top 100 in the world <laughs> podcaster, mate, then we're on, aren't we? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Look, <laughs> and I think the way that we try to do it is like we're not going to be able to digest the entire box, I think, in, we're not going to do it in like sequence and take people through each this programmatically. I think what I was most excited about is like going all your whole toolkit of the box is at your fingertips. And what's awesome is that when you can sort of, we can sit down and have these interviews and have these chats with people, we can just take them through it and like try and give them the tools. Cause I think one thing you've been doing and like, this is, this is something that happens in podcasts and like everything's a podcast, but I just remember vividly from your training programs. I think I've done two in the time that I've known. Yeah, you. we did one recently. We did one recently. Years ago. A podcast is basically the people watching while you're talking to someone else in that group. So sometimes you would be sitting there and the, it's actually not the advice that you're being given as an individual. It's the example. It's the crisis. It's the challenge that someone else is experiencing that then you go, hmm, okay. And you start helping them unpack it. And it's like, you get this like weird parallel experience, like, oh crap, that's a really terrible situation. How do they get out of it? And it's the tools that you help give that I'm like, that's, if we can do that on this show, I think that would be exceptionally valuable because it's those conversations that in a corporate environment, in any business that I've ever worked in, they start to help you because it's like, there is a way to get through. There is a light at the end of all the tunnels. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because given the coaching that I do one-on-one -on -one as well, it's kind of, that's what I do. Yes. And what I've also discovered is it's a lot easier to solve other people's problems, <laughs> not your own, right? <laughs> so as we sit here at the launch of this, as I said to you, I'm like, okay, you know, what's going to stop me? It's like, oh, well, let, let's, let's take a bit of my own medicine. So yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I mean, have we mentioned it yet? www.theboxilivein.com. The box. <laughs> there you go. There we go. That That's the site. Um, and like I said, but I think for me, it's more about a conversation of those tools. How do I bring and how do you bring that expertise and talk to some people? And I think the, the tagline that you and I were discussing is this idea of real people with real challenges and then coming up with some real solutions. Absolutely. And so I'm interested. I, I find that, it, you know, I, 
I, I meet a lot of experts and I've met people over the years, but the people that interest me are the ones that are living their lives, you know, whether it's the working mums and dads, whether it's someone that wants to get out of corporate, you know, whether it's people that are starting a social enterprise, whether it's people that are actually running big businesses. And what's interesting is I think when they're on the stage and when they're in work, they've got that work mode on. When you get them off and you actually have a chat with them, they've got challenges like everybody else. It's just there's different scales of challenges. Yes. So for me, if we can tap into, and we can, some of those guys and girls and talk about the challenges they see, then I think we can make this very practical. Yes. And as you said, hopefully what it does is it gives people an insight and some tools which they can take away and use. And I think that that's the biggest thing for me. As a trainer and educator, I get very nervous about people having a chat. And I mean, it's entertainment, I get that. But I'm about giving people to do, giving them value for money. Yes. And and so that's kind of with me with this stuff, it's trying to distill what are the insights, what can you do? Let's make this as practical as we can. Let's bring in the experts, but at the end of the day, the experts aren't living people's lives. And <laughs> I've always struggled with this, these great books, and I'm looking at, reading all this stuff, and it's like, but how do I put that into practice? Yes. And I, and I think probably that's what in the last 20 years of my career I've been doing, is relating the, the, the theories back to the practical insights and then actually coming up with some tangible actions. And and that there is a massive disconnect and it happens in all sorts of industries where it's like you've got all this theoretical sort of highfalutin academic stuff about how you should approach different problems and what lenses to take to things, whether it's like psychological lens, well-being lens. And it's like sometimes you just need to see a real person living their life because the disconnect is like, it's a like it's this huge chasm between how people actually live their lives and the theories. If you don't if you don't get a chance to be exposed to other people that are like, no, this is how you do it. Yeah, this is the roadmap, and and everyone can do it. And even even in my own life, sometimes it's you know uh, now now study life. It's uh, one day in a room with a real practitioner of what I'm studying right now, which is a teacher, versus a month and a half in university lectures and tutorials was like that one day, that one FaceTime with that one individual and yeah. seeing their lived examples, like, oh no, I can do this. It yeah. was like, it was actually framing it for me in a way that I could understand better than sometimes academia can in that sense. So the thing I've discovered, and this was kind of embedded through the development of the program, the online program, was about the reference structures. Yes. So one of the things I think I underestimate, and I think a lot of people underestimate is that you know, it's not just an age thing, but if you've been exposed to a lot of different environments or a lot of different situations, you do build these reference structures. Then the capacity to draw on those to solve problems and solutions gives you so much more, you know, insight. And, and so I think what you're talking about there is, is is exactly what the box and what we're trying to do is actually, you know, find these challenges and say, well, here's the toolkit. How do you apply this to your life and whatever it is you want to do? And it's interesting because that's the, my journey, right? I spent 20 years standing in front of a room talking to people and it's my comfort zone. You know, I love it. It's easy. And I walk away and I come home and I have a lovely life. And yet what I found was, and what I know in my business is, you know, particularly I mean, with COVID is that, well, you weren't doing that anymore. So then we moved <laughs> online. So we survived all that. And I never yeah. thought I could run online stuff. Well, like, we used to be blended, but now we've moved completely online. And we, we, we're kind of nailing that to a certain degree, I think. You never get the same. Um, but for me, it's it's really about how do you find those tools and give access to the right tools to the right people at the right time. Yes. And, and not everybody needs everything straight away, but they might have a question. And and it's so funny because as I've developed it and worked with um, worked with Dan and Emma have helped me sort of produce it all, I think we've all gone through it because we're all in the same position. I'm, I'm having to take my own medicine. You know, I'm sitting here like, <laughs> all right, what skills do I need to stay future relevant? It's uh, like, I need to be a podcaster. I'm, like, I'm all right. Well, I was just going to say, the hunter has become the hunted oh, and yeah. the coach has become <laughs> well, the coach. Yeah, well, that's it. 
<laughs> so there you go. That's the context for what we're about. Yes. So I'm keen to explain the box and everything, and I've just got all this stuff in my head, but I'm going to give myself over to you and say, all right, step us through this. We've kind of kicked it off, but what's going to be interesting for people to understand? What do you think we should cover? Let, let's talk to me about... We, you know, we'll ask me some questions. Let's let's see where this goes. Well, I think every single time we get together with someone or we have these different conversations, we're going to kind of keep it to that that coaching outcome. And I think that we don't want to go far away from that because it's at the end of this show, what you're hoping is that, and, and what I think we're going to achieve is that people who are listening are getting something that they can use. They, they're putting yeah. another tool in their toolkit or if they've got, if they've already got those tools, they're just refining an approach. Um, so I might stick with our, our standard sort of framing questions that we've got, um, uh, understanding that. And I think we've kind of covered the scope and uh, the issues that we want to tackle. But the main question um, I wanted to ask you is, what do you think the challenge of a podcast is? Like, what is this big challenge that's been in the front of your mind about why it's so different from engaging with people one-to-one? -one? Because some people are crippled by the concept of doing what you do every day or did every day in a pre-COVID world, which is standing in front of a room of experts and telling them, you may not be as good as what you think you are at this thing and maybe I can add some value by giving you some tools and some reference structures. So what's been that challenge that's been sitting there? It, it comes back to exactly what I mentioned before about reference structures. Yeah. So, so what, what I've learned about myself is that I, 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 like, I like to control. Let's be honest. I like to be in control. <laughs> and so what, what happens is if, if I find myself in these environments where I've never experienced it, it's not that I won't go into it, but I think I'm like anybody else. What happens is, is there's, there's that anticipation or there's not a clear understanding of how it runs. Yes. And so when we talk about the pods, I've no issue sitting here chatting to you, right? I've no issue chatting to people in a room or you know, even on the web, web now. I can get all that. I'm comfortable with what I've got to say, but I think it's understanding the medium and finding something that is relevant. Yes. And I think for me, it's just trying to understand the dynamics of how this stuff works. And as I said, I don't listen to them. So I've got no reference structure. You could have said I could have gone and listened to a whole lot before we started. <laughs> but I thought, oh, well, you, you, you're the expert. So I think the challenge for me is more about just understanding the relevance and how we make this medium work alongside everything else. Um, but like I said, when I actually pair it back and the realization I had was it was much more about just understanding it's a conversation. And I think the coaching structure for me really helps. Yes. This idea, even just me working through what's going on today. So what does the outcome look like? You know, what's going to get in the way? Why do you want to make the change? All those sort of coaching questions that are such a standard fodder of what I do for a living, really just working through those with people around certain topics, I think then actually made this thing a lot less scary than it, than it potentially was. Yeah, it's just recorded now. It's just there, well, it's there to be played back and for people to revisit. And I think, like you said, one of the podcasts you listen to is on your bike ride. And I feel like people sometimes that distract themselves or in the middle of something are going to just love that, being able to reflect on it. Like how, hearing someone who sounds like is in the same situation as them and how they're overcoming a problem is that's going to be really good. That, so, that's been the most fascinating thing for me personally about developing this program, right? Because it, it, you know, 20 years standing in front of a room, it becomes like a well-worked routine. It's literally, it's like, you know, same corny gags. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting for me, though, is not the content. It's always the participants and how it works. Yes. Um, I think that the challenge now, though, is like I said, in these new mediums, is how do you make this work? And, and how do you, and, and for me, it's going through that same sort of uncertainty and not knowing whether you put this out there, is anybody going to listen to it? You know, the, yeah. my, because I control if I've got a room of 100 people or I'm running 100 people on a program, I know I can get 98 people to love 
me and what I do because yeah. I work the room, right? I work the room. What I've realized with this sort of stuff and particularly with the website is 99.95%, probably more, are going to walk past it yes. and not give a shit. And, and, and I'm not used to that. I'm used to being like, you know, nailing it. And so, so, so this is probably the other thing with the podcast is it, it flips it that you kind of put yourself out there and expose yourself and you can't control that. And, and, I, and, and to a certain degree, that's kind of liberating in one way. And in another way, I'm like, oh, well, you give it a go and you see what happens. So, so that's probably been one of my learnings and one of my thinking around just getting comfortable. And it comes back to your question around what was the, not the block with the podcast, but what didn't I know? It's not just the podcast. I think it's the program. It's a very different approach for me. Yes. And it's, I'm just having to give myself and using the people that I know understand the, you know, the pods, understand the marketing, understand the web, you know, working with people to guide me through it. And I think that's probably been one of my biggest learnings is I know what I'm good at, but I also know when I just need to shut up and get out of the way and take a bit of direction. (laughs) Hence we're here. Yes. (laughs) So you often ask and have definitely asked me like, what does success look like? So what does success look like for this? People listening? Is it just that? Yeah. You know what? It's interesting because I've been pondering this one because again, I know knowing and thinking about the questions I would ask. So, so, so there's this, and there's, this is what's fascinating for me because there's a number of things wrapped up, right? I'm doing this at a stage in my career where I want to spend less time selling my time. So I'm looking to build a product that I can promote and sell so I can get some passive income. So, so there's a monetary reward at the end of it. But I think if it was purely monetary, I'd have done this 20 years ago. Yes. And I'd probably be a lot more ruthless about it, you know, because like I said, I've got, you know, the guys that are coaching me through the online stuff are like, you, you've almost been too much of a soft sell. You're giving too much away. But I, so, so I know I want to make money off of the program, right? Yeah. But I think the other key driver for me, probably more than anything, is to produce something worthwhile that makes a difference. So, so when I train... I've always had this, what's called a core question. So it's a training technique where you basically, it's, it's about getting the psychology right. So it's something I learned from a mentor of mine. And, and my training core question, the thing that I come through that pervades everything is, how do I make this real? And that goes back to this sort of theoretical understanding, but the reality of it. Yes. So, so I think success for me is when I can, you know, we can position what we've produced from an online perspective and also with the consultancy work that we do and we can help more people see and make real the tools that are available to them. And so I think success is a number of things. You know, one is, yes, it gives me a, a, di- a different, you know, different income stream. Two, this creates some valuable content. And the third one, because I'm at this stage in my life, is that if I want to go and do this and travel overseas, I've got two daughters, as you know, and now basically left home. Well, they were going to leave, leave home before COVID. One of them's still at home, but we've got one more year. Then she's definitely going. Um, and there was no fault of her own. She was due to go, but she couldn't get over to the UK. But I think, you know, for me, then it also creates a different dynamic where, you know, for myself and my wife, if we want to travel some more, we want to go overseas and do some stuff we can. So I think success is... It's probably that, you know, the number of followers is interesting because I kind of think, well, do you, do we put a number on it? Like, do you and I sit here and say, right, we need having millions or thousands of followers, but I actually don't, for me, I think that's a bit limiting. You know, I I think you end up chasing a number, don't you? I don't know. You've you've put stuff out there. Do you go looking for numbers or is it? I, I think, I think the biggest flaw is when you do go for numbers. I think the approach that you're talking about, that multifaceted success of about it's what, it, what, what it is for you, fulfilling for you to be a person who's coaching people sitting at this desk right now <laughs> as we're talking. Can I just or, say a new desk for those of you that are watching <laughs> it, especially purchased anyway. But, but sitting at this desk right now or the people who are listening, I, I think it's impact. Like how do you make it real? And for me, that's, that's a nice... Uh, unquantifiable but really big success criteria for me is that if if 
what we're doing together now and putting this out and people are hearing you and they're positively impacted in that way. I think that's so much more important because it personally, I want you to do this and I want to be a part of this because I I know that there can be positive impacts for people who are in the trenches right now in whatever part of their career they're in and just the privacy and the comfort of that commute right home with a podcast that can go, hey, like, hey, like shake, uh, get your attention and say, if it's about a way out, if it's about you're in crisis, if it's about self-reflection, those things that can help you do that and you don't have to try, but it's we're just there. I, that's personally, like if I was to talk about what success is, it's when people start getting in touch with us and we've made a positive impact on them. That's the stuff that I'm really looking forward to. And it'd be nice to make a positive impact on a few, rather on, than, on, on many rather on, than a few. But on, we don't get chasing let's, numbers. Let's start with few <laughs> and then we'll start with beyond that. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's fun for me. It, it's it's very different. It's it's part of my learning journey. You know, that, so that the whole box is predicated on empowering people to think about the things that they can do in their lives. And, and you know, the thing I've learned is that if you look at the way we used to develop people, and this has probably been my realisation the last 20 years, you know, when I started out, I came and did corporate development leadership training and it was very much about leadership training in the context of work yes and then if people wanted to go off and better themselves they used to go off at the weekends and find themselves and do some kind of you know anthony robbins program or something or they disappear <laughs> off to some country retreat and learn to meditate and they were very separate because the structure was very rigid in a sense and, yes. th- and then you know so there's there's your professional development there's your personal development then the other thing that it still amazes me that companies don't get there's this financial planning or the reason, the financial reason most of us come to work. But that's almost like a separate conversation as well. So you had three separate conversations. And then what I noticed, and the reason the box came into to, to fruition was because I started to get and notice that a lot of the, you know, they're, they're, they're well-educated sort of white-collar workers. A lot of the jobs they're doing are changing because of technology. And so companies are saying, you know, you've got to develop yourself. We want you to look after yourself now, well-being. We, we're not financially, we know we're paying you to turn up. So there's an element of that. And then they start talking about future-proofing your careers. And they're almost like four separate conversations. And, and so what I realized was that if you actually put them together in a structure and a format that allows them to coexist and complement each other, and particularly when you start to think about we don't live this nine-to-five life anymore, right? Yeah. What we live is, and particularly after COVID, is this blurring is that people don't mind working late if they can take the morning off. So you've got this flexibility. But the old system and the old development process was very much set up to just deal with these things in isolation because we could give people structure. So one of the things I talk about used to be like playing uh, games and uh, snakes and ladders, you know, yeah. because you'd, there were certain moves and that was it. Whereas now in this virtual reality world, when you put your goggles on, the challenge is it blends. And, and so what I'm trying to do is, is really give people this capacity to make sense as we've said of what's going on and that's really sort of where the box came from in terms of uh, of a concept and i guess success coming back to that question then for me is that people understand that and can use that and and that that's kind of that's what i've been road testing for the last four or five years you know this this stuff that i put into the program and that i use isn't stuff that i've just made up it's stuff that i've talked about research but as you said i've got this incredible toolkit but it all sits in my head <laughs> and then every now and then i'm like oh have you tried that have you tried that and they go great and it's how do you give people access to all of that yeah. and so i think you know if we can give people access to that that in itself would be a measure of success yeah look you've been designing the box i live in for a long time but it was like a premonition because when covid came 
we lived in the box. <laughs> yeah. It's not the box I live in that we're creating for ourselves, this virtual thing. It was actually, no, we're in a box right now because we can't leave, we can't go anywhere. And uh, that rapid change and rapid technological advancement and the rapid demand that companies now bend to this stuff that was kind of on a bit of a well-paced curve is now you know, skyrocketing and astronomical. And I think that that's what's really important as well. It was very easy when you're face-to-face in an office and you're talking about some of the challenges that I think the box helps you, you know, approach, uh, uh, have different approaches and, and different and tools for you to use to overcome those challenges. But as soon as the, as soon as COVID happened, I was like, now everyone need like it should be mandatory that they're doing this. It's like before it was like optional. Some people were going to do it, but it's like, you're in this box, life is going to change and everyone talks about 2020 as this tumultuous year and lots of people in their careers, myself included, you have a year like 2020 and it's it's like, man, that the, the foundational lessons of the box have never been more important because those things I was putting off for five years or some yeah. I- I- different time in the future, now it's it's happening right now. Well, I think that was that was a part of stroke of good incredibly good fortune because i think what we had was relevant beforehand but like you said it was kind of it was a harder sell when everybody's life is good and they're all out and about and they can free to travel and they're at home with time to think it's like okay maybe this is more relevant did i ever tell you where the box came from the concept no tell me so so this was and because i have been talking about this for a number of years i mean various different guys it was about five or six years ago i was doing a, uh, a corporate session with a group and we were talking about empowerment and we were talking about how do you empower yourself and it was a leadership session and then how do you empower your people? So, so one of the things that often we go to and it's, you know, it's a well-trodden path for anybody in the theoretical world. To empower somebody, often what you do is you talk to them about their mindset and their psychology and who they are and what they want to be and all that kind of stuff. And then you talk to them about um, their skills and capabilities. So you've got someone in an environment, you know, they've got the right mindset and they've got the right skills to manage themselves in that environment, then they're going to feel empowered. So we had that conversation. So that's the classic skill and will matrix yeah. that you and I would have done years ago, right? You know, it's a leadership tool. Um, and then I said all that, and these were a really smart young group. And they said, yeah, we get all of that. They go, I mean, they're working for a large corporation. They said, but why do we still feel disempowered? Because they were working on themselves. And I, I could see they were smart people. They had the skills and capabilities, but they said they still felt disempowered. So I'm like, well, what, what drives that? And, and what they said was that they want to drive change in this company but the companies, almost the culture and the structure and the rules and the regulations didn't allow them to drive it. So, so what was interesting was that often as, as trainers and educators, we, we empower individuals. We talk to the individual about being empowered themselves. But what they can do is bump up against the other sides of the box, which is these this rules and regulations. And it's almost that hems them in. Yes. So, so we had that conversation. And then I came home um, and we, we were having dinner, and it was funny because Millie, who's my eldest, um, she would have been about 15 or 16 at the time. Um, and, she, and we were having this question, what, you know, and I always said to them, what do you do today? And normally, oh, God, you know, they roll their eyes. It's like, do we have to go there? I'm like, yes, you're going to sit around the table, right? Anyway, she goes, oh, we had this person come and talk to us about empowerment. So I'm like, oh, so that's what I talk to a group about like this. And she's like, oh, she goes, well, did you do better? I said, what do you mean? I said, how was it? She goes, well, it's interesting enough. She goes, but it's, it's basically, she said, you know, they talked to us about our mindset and she talked to us about the skills and capabilities. And I said, well, that's partly it. I said, and, and did you, she goes, yeah, but dad, you know, they've grown up in a generation, which I think gets growth mindsets and all this stuff. She goes, the thing they didn't answer was, you know, how do you empower yourself in a school system that basically is archaic, you know, and is based on 200 years of, you know, old theory. 
So one, I was like, oh, that's impressive. Like sultry teenagers <laughs> string some coherent argument together. And I said, well, that, and it was exactly the same in the corporate. I said, well, I think what it is, and this is what I was discussing, is that that's the rules and the regulation. And if you live in any society or if you decide to live in any system that's governed, there's going to be rules. And if you break those rules, there will be consequences, whether you get fired, whether you get you know, disciplined, whether you get suspended, what have you. So she, so she sort of looked at me, you know what they're like, the teenagers, she begrudgingly. And then she said to me, all right, then. She goes, all right, I, I can get that. She goes, well, explain to me this then. She goes, how do you feel empowered when you've got to put up with peer group pressure? I'm like, go on, explain to me. She goes, well, as a 15, 16-year-old girl, there is a huge amount of pressure to conform. She goes, I might feel empowered not to want to go to the mall. I might feel empowered to want to do extra work. But if my peer group sees that as a weakness or doesn't prescribe to that that, yes. then I've got to go against that. And you go, you know, they can be brutal. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was thinking about it. And, and I said to her, well... I've never felt more like a teenage girl <laughs> in my career than just now. That's well, profound stuff. Well, I know, I know. And I've got to thank her for it because she's, she's a pain in the ass. She was. She's got better because she's left. But, you know, this every now and then this genius comes out. And, and so the size of the box became your mindset, skills and capabilities. Then we've got rules and regulations. Yes. Then this third, the final one, the fourth one, is actually expectations. Yes. And often it's these expectations that are either written but often unwritten, which can also either empower you or disempower you. So that's either the culture of a business, it's the individuals within a business, it's the people you work with. And so that's where the box came into fruition from this conversation. And, and, and it was so funny because we're having this and my wife's sitting there quietly. Now she's a preschool teacher. And then she was opening her mail and she got this thing from the New South Wales government about empowering young minds or something. <laughs> and because she's like, you don't empower them. She goes, you just give them a box to work within. I was like, that's it. That's it. You know, you give them parameters. You give them guidelines. You've got kids. So, that, you know, you want to give them enough space to be themselves, but you certainly don't want to give them an open slather. Yes. And so the box, and that's what I said. I said, well, empowerment's about understanding these elements of the box. And then I remember, because it was so funny, because the first thing I did then, I went upstairs to the study, and of course I googled thebox.com, though that was taken. <laughs> and I'm googling all this stuff, da, 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 and all of a sudden, www.theboxiliveing.com is free. So I registered it there and then, this was five years ago, and then promptly did nothing for about two years. And then and it's in the back of my head, I've had this idea. And so I road tested that concept in all the trainings that I did. And I got people to try it on and to test it. And I, that's where it came from. And then, you know, the program basically expands upon that. But that's the fundamental thing about, we talk about real people, real challenges, real solutions. As you said, it's, it's about giving them that, this is why the box is that toolkit or that toolbox. <laughs> I have to hold myself back. You know, the things that they can use to understand what's going on, but then to make a difference. Yes. And I think there's a lot of people that, you know, I think, you know, we'll talk about this when we, when some of the, other, other podcasts around getting out of the system. You know, sometimes the system gives you that level of security, which is very comforting, yeah. but it does also hem you in. And sometimes it can feel like there's no way out of it. And it doesn't matter how hard you push and build your skills and capabilities. Sometimes you've got to realize it's more about, you know, it's a financial decision. Is it more about, well, actually in that organization, you're never going to get anywhere because it's not set up to help you succeed. Yes. And so this box becomes really just a metaphor to start to think about what's going on in our lives and also what's happening around us. And then how do we manage and work with that? So that was a product of a, a session, you know, five years ago. And then you and I sat here this afternoon having this conversation, <laughs> which uh, is kind of exciting. You talked about travel before. You talked about flexibility. One of the questions you've asked me is like, what's going to stop this thing from happening or being successful? 
is the answer to that question pina coladas on a beach somewhere? Is that what's <laughs> going to stop this podcast from happening? You getting too comfy? I think I've been comfy for the last <laughs> 20 years, in all yeah. honesty. Yeah. And I think I know I've, I have a great life and I, I can earn a good living doing what I do. I, I, I think that my biggest what – will, what will stop this is – is I think probably me not really committing to the whole process and preparing to put myself out there and give it a go. Yes. I think, you know, even as I talk about it, you kind of get the nerves and, and it's, it's being vulnerable, right? And I know that's such a cliche because it's like, oh, my God. But I think, you know, people know me. I, I don't think I ever come across as vulnerable. And that's not because I'm not. It's just because I just, as I said, because I plan everything. Normally I can control the environment. <laughs> but with this, I've got to let go. You know, I've got to just give it a go. And let this thing go where it is. I think the biggest challenge for me is this, this, this almost toughening up a little bit and not expecting everyone's going to like what I do and love it and just put it out there and suck it and see. <laughs> yes. And then I, and that's why, you know, that's why literally you and you and I are here. And that's why, again, Dan and Emma are here with us because they're the crew. You're the crew that's going to hold me accountable. I, I'm not, we can get on and have the chat, but then I might not go and have the chat. And so I think for me, it's the discipline of just getting on and doing it. Yes. And not not backing away because some client rings me up and says, hey, Ben, we've got a great big project that I can go and spend six months playing with them because it's nice and safe. It's actually saying I actually need nothing in my diary and I need a bit of hunger to go and, you know, do some of this stuff. Otherwise, yeah, I could easily just get another corporate gig and disappear, which, you know, it's kind of fun. I enjoy what I do, but I've got to, I've got to prioritize this over anything else. Yeah, I, uh, you talk very candidly about the financial situation and that entire level of like motivational discourse sometimes is just left off it's like we build these lives we come to work every day we come because ultimately though there's a paycheck consideration there's a lifestyle consideration it's now coming in and well-being thankfully but it's just like sometimes that pressure you put yourself in situations and you just don't even realize like you you make assumptions about career changes and what will and won't happen and i think that that's really like it's it's actually awesome for me to hear um uh, to hear you say it because it's like that's a challenge I think people get locked into and it's a trap that I feel like the handcuffs tighten the longer yeah. you put it off. Yeah. Well, I think I think my what I've, you know, the, and again, I, it's going to sound a bit cynical and given I work in the personal professional development area, I'm like, <laughs> I'm part of the problem, right? But this idea of follow your dreams and, you know, you never have to work another day in your life is is great, but I don't necessarily know if that takes into account where people are at, yes, and 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 the the life, so it's fine. You can give it all up, but can you keep the same standard of living that you want? And I think particularly if you're in the corporate system or you've you've started a career, you get used to a certain level of income, mm -hmm. and then you know, and it's really interesting for me because I think the financial conversation often is put to one side because it can stop people dreaming. But I'm like, you can still dream and come back and do the numbers and see if it's worthwhile. And I think we've got to have that conversation. You know, if if I and again, my background, you know, coming out of corporates, working for the for, for American organisations. If it was me now, you know, sitting as a GM somewhere, I would be employing a financial advisor or a, or a program to talk to my people. Are their finances in order? I think that's the single thing that any organisation can do, particularly with this new generation, yeah. because this new generation of, of kids coming through. I call them kids, seeing of people coming through <laughs> like you. They're not going to sit there for twenty years and wait to climb the pole. They're going to want to make decisions. They want to do things differently. But can they afford to do it? And so I just think we've got to have openness about that. And I am no different. You know, if I was financially independent, would I be sat here having this conversation? Well, I don't know. Yes. I might well be, but I'm not. 
and therefore it becomes heightened to build a program. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 like I said, I'll be really candid about that. Yeah. And that, but that for me is part of the fun because I don't see myself any different from anybody else. But this is unfortunate because it's not a job for me. This is something closer to probably a passion. You know, this is probably the closest I've ever been in my life to having a vocation and for doing something which doesn't seem like work, which is kind of cool, right? Yes. And, and then the only thing we've got to do is turn it into a paying gig in some way, <laughs> which is well, why you're here. Right? Which is why, well, hopefully. <laughs> but I think, I think that that's a great way to approach it because there's, you know, that is what, that is one thing just even in right now, I'm doing a bit of, I'm back at study and um, an opportunity came up for a full-time paying gig with a with, with a department of education job and I'm still studying and I and I had to sort of say look thank you but no thank you because it wasn't going to work with my current life lifestyle it wasn't going to wasn't going to work for me but I, I was thinking about even kids who are younger than me and I, I'm saying kids now which is crazy <laughs> because right, no, no, because no. there's like 17 and 18 year olds that I'm studying at university with or whatever they are 18 20 year olds and they don't have any responsibilities or family considerations or all those other things, those mounting things that you have in your life and mortgages and all those things. They don't have any of those considerations. And so they could at the drop of a hat go, yeah, you start Monday. That's great. And I just, and I think about that now when opportunities come up, I'm like, imagine what that could have been like if I had listened to someone's advice <laughs> and maybe I had it on a device so I could listen to it again 10 years ago. Well, you know, that, that, that for me is probably the biggest thing that I get is around self-serve. You know, yes. so, so it's about having the tools when people need them. And I think that's what the technology environment gives us today. You don't have to go and sit in a classroom for two days to learn something and then forget about it. It's it's there. And if you want to access it, you can get it. Mm. And I think, you know, you're right. You know, it, it's, it's good to hear that you're feeling like you're an old man because you're probably like the youngest person <laughs> I know, apart from the kids. But I think, like I said, you know, that that's about access and that. But I think, I think you've got to look at all these things in unison together. We, we can't just... You can't do them in isolation, yes. and I don't think we should. And I think that that's why, for us, when we talk on the pod going forward, let, let, we'll talk to different people with these different challenges. We'll, we'll make that work. I'm gonna t I'm gonna take cues from you. When all is said and done, <laughs> more is said than done. <laughs> more is said than done. So that is a quote. When all is said and done, more is said than done. I've dined out on that for twenty years. Twenty years. Every training program. <laughs> Every program. I finish on that <laughs> because it, I'm a talker, right? But the point is, it's about the execution that goes with it. So I think I tell you what. Then the, you know the commitment is that, as we've said, let we will do the the first twelve. Let's get the first twelve in the bag and more, but we'll yep. make those happen. And, you know, as I said, if, if people are interested today, I'm sure they'll give us feedback and what have you and we'll, uh, we'll make it work. But I think you have, to, you have to sign out on what you've been dining out for 20 years. That's your <laughs> sign-off for the show. But when all is said and done, more is said, said than, than done. done. <laughs> Very good.